Welcome to the Teacher Business Society podcast. I'm Farah, a Diet Coke drinking, true crime junkie, and former teacher turned seven-figure teacher business owner. Are you stuck in the grind as a full-time entrepreneur or teaching by day and side hustling by night, wondering how to turn your entrepreneurial dreams into a reality? Whether you're brand new to this journey, trying to burst through that 100K ceiling, or you've built the business and now you need help working on your business instead of in your business, you're in the right place. I get it. Building your dream business can feel overwhelming. But listen, I've been where you are and I'm here to make it all feel possible. Through personal stories, expertise, and interviews with successful teacher business owners, we'll tackle email marketing, social media strategies, content creation, and everything in between. I'm committed to helping you not just grow, but thrive so you can live the life you've been dreaming of. So grab your favorite notebook, perhaps even a Diet Coke, and pull up a chair. Let's get down to business, teacher style. Hey there, business besties. Wow. The last couple of weeks, as you can probably tell by my voice, have been an absolute roller coaster. First, I got to go hang out with two of my best business bestie friends. And on the way home, on the drive home, I got sick. And then I ended up in bed and we had some sound issues with recording this episode and just everything just happened at once. So I do apologize for the slight break in episodes, but we're back on track. Everything's good. I'm starting to feel a lot better. And uh, so yeah, it's just been a crazy two weeks. It happens, right? And I constantly preach how taking care of yourself should be the number one priority. And so I took my own advice and I set things to the side and said, I need to focus on taking care of myself right now. But that just meant getting some rest and some sleep. I am doing better. Not quite got my voice back yet, but uh, you know, we're on the mend. But I'm so excited about this episode. I was really bummed that we didn't get it out uh, a couple weeks ago like we had planned, but it it was well worth the wait because I got to sit down with Bryce from the Teaching Texan and talk about adding a physical product to your business because Listen, we're talking about this diversifying series and how adding different income streams, and I've got so many great things to share with you going forward as well. Next week, we have an interview with uh, someone that I've connected with, and I've now started down a path myself of adding another revenue stream, and I can't wait to share that one with you either. But Bryce decided to add a physical product to his store a few years ago or his business a few years ago, and it has completely skyrocketed his business. So I'm so excited for this week's episode. Make sure you check him out, check the show notes for links, and uh, just show him all the love and for all the wisdom that he's going to share with us today on adding a physical product to your business. Hey, Bryce, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Hey, Farah. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for agreeing to come on. I I tell you, I interviewed uh, Kristen from Easy Teaching Tools, which uh, I affectionately refer to the three of us as the three amigos, uh, because we we have a tendency to do some things at happy hour and that result in, you know, plane ticket purchases and wild trips to New York. So um, I'm super excited to get to sit down and chat with you today. During our diversifying series. And this series is really geared to help teacher business owners who are looking at branching off from just selling on a third-party platform or even selling on their website because 
the very first episode that I did uh, in this series was all about, so you want to diversify, like what are the different options? And I shared that most often we hear, I'm going to go sell on another platform. I'm going to go sell on Etsy. I'm going to go sell on, I keep saying made by teachers. They're probably going to reach out to me and be like, would you quit talking about us? Uh, But I, I don't consider that true diversification because that's like, Coca-Cola deciding, oh, we sell in Walmart. Now we're going to go sell in Target. It's the same product, just a different checkout place, right? I really sat down and racked my brain about different ways to diversify. And physical products has come up so many times in coaching sessions I've done with clients. And I was like, ooh, I know the perfect person to talk to about that. And that would be you. So that's what I want to chat with you about today. But before we dive into that, why don't you give us a little background on the teaching Texan and kind of how you got started as a teacher business owner. Yeah, for sure. So I have been teaching for 10 years now and I still do teach full-time kindergarten. Um, So I just like to juggle all the things apparently. Um, But after I finished grad school um, and and I was teaching, I, I really didn't know what to do over the summers. Like I'm kind of that go, go, go kind of person. And I wanted to channel some of my creative outlets and people were, you know, I'd started blogging and people were telling me about like, you know, there's this website called Teachers Pay Teachers. You should upload on there. Um, and so I did. And that was kind of the start. And it wasn't the teaching Texan back then. I actually, and I would never do this again, um, had a store name that was with the grade level that I taught. And so we were, I was second grade stampede. And what was so funny about that is I set that all up and I was going to teach second grade. And then a week before school started, they switched me to first grade. (laughs) And so already, yeah, already my blog name didn't even, and store name didn't even go with the grade I was teaching. Um, But it was probably about a year and a half later, I switched over to the teaching Texan. And, you know, we started off really small with just digital resources um, and selling on Teachers Pay Teachers. And we gradually started to add, you know, some of the physical products that you're talking about. How did I not know this? How how did I not know that you had you were never you weren't always the teaching Texan? Because I've always known you as the teaching Texan. That that's insane. Well, listen, I've gone through like eight rebrands, so let's be real. Because uh, I think it, when I first started off, it was uh, Miss Shipley's fabulous firsties, and I did I was teaching first grade, and so this is a this is a uh, side point and side tip for anybody who is listening to this and is considering starting a business. Uh, don't start it with your grade level because you don't know that you're always going to be teaching that grade level. And uh, so anyway, we digress, but you started with the digital downloads like we all do on TPT. And I would have considered you successful. You, I mean, we met there. I remember a time where we met at conferences or I saw you at conferences and I was like, Oh my gosh, there's Bryce from the teaching Texan. Um, And so when you decided to venture off of TPT and add an additional revenue stream, why don't you kind of share why you made that decision? Not necessarily why you chose physical products, but just why you decided to add an additional revenue stream. Yeah. So really it kind of, and so I, I'm going to start with this actually. So we actually started selling our planners on TPT because once upon a time you could sell physical products on TPT. Now, yes, it was it was a different revenue stream, though, because it was something that was actually physical. But that was, a, you know, looking back, a big mistake because they were taking 20 percent of you know this physical good. But really what started that is 
I had started to create a digital planner, not a digital planner that you use digitally, more so one that you download and print and put together. And we just had so many teachers that were reaching out and they were wanting it to look just like the sample or the examples I was showing them. And they were really frustrated with trying to find a place to have it printed and to have it bound and all of that. And, you know, if you listen to the people who are purchasing from you, they will tell you exactly what they need. They may not use the words, but if you really listen between the lines, they'll tell you what they need. And what I heard was they wanted it finished. They wanted this really beautiful functional planner that was made by a teacher that actually works but they didn't want to have to go through the headache of putting it together because it sounds great. And if you're selling, you know, a digital resource for, you know, 10 bucks or under 10 bucks, like it's very affordable, but then it quickly, the cost adds up. So that's kind of what spurred it. Um, and we actually started off by selling them on TBT and it was a very, very small start. Um, I think that very first year we sold um, 53 planners and we were absolutely ecstatic and just so thankful. Um, we, I, I never thought we'd even sell you know more than one right but um teachers really just loved it and from there we we finally you know we moved off of tpt to sell them and i'm sure we'll get into more of that too as we we keep going yeah well i i want to circle back a moment because you said something very interesting that um first of all you dated both of us because i used to have a physical product on tpt as well that was back in the day so if you're not an og or don't remember when you could sell physical products on tpt um, you're not missing anything because honestly, like you said, it was not the right place because giving up 20%, when you're dealing with a physical product and dealing with inventory and then right off the top, they're taking 20% of your sales, you you don't make a profit. <laughs> it's, it's really, really bad. But you mentioned something that I think a lot of teacher business owners forget and that is, or maybe they don't forget, they they know they should be listening to their audience, but they get hung up on not reading in between the lines. They're not reading between the lines. And so what you were saying was you had this planner that you'd created. Teachers could buy the digital download and they could go have it printed themselves. But you were mocking it up in a way to show what it, the potential of what it would look, could look like, which, listen, guys, we all do that, especially nowadays, like Product photography is such a big thing. I can't tell you the number of times I get questions about our products and they're like, I bought this, but it doesn't look like it does in the picture. And I'm like, well, that's because we printed it on this type of paper and we've we've got product photography going on. We went and bought these props or these boxes, those task card boxes. I don't know how many times I get asked about those. And when they get the digital file, they got to put it all together, right? And teachers are busy and teachers are tired. And so when they download your planner and now they're bombarding you with, well, where did you get your coil? Where did you have it printed? Where And all of those things. And that $10 planner is now costing them $110 in order to get it printed to look exactly like you did it. Now, obviously, there'll be teachers that will print it and put it in a binder or print it on their home computer. They don't care whether or not the colors are crisp or anything like that, right? Because they're going to use the printer they got or print it in black and white. But the majority of your audience will say, no, we want it to look like it does in your photos. And so listening to your audience, it made sense to try to look into giving it to them in physical form. So that that is key. And I hope everybody that heard him say that really takes that to heart when your customers are telling you that they want something. Now, when you decided to listen to them, Bryce, I'm sure that was like, oh my goodness, how do we do this? So 
what was the first step y'all took? I mean, what was the first thing y'all looked at? Oh my gosh. It truly like looking back. And I think I probably black that out of my memory some because we were truly. It was traumatic. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we were like on an airplane that hadn't been built yet, but we're like flying through the air and it's like, we got to get wings on this thing. We got to, we got to get an engine. We got to stay in the air. And there were so many things. And I think that's one of the things when you start to look at like a physical product, there's so many questions that in, you know, you have to start thinking through and how am I going to, you know, stock these different, you know, especially with like the planners, we have a lot of pieces. How am I going to find all of the different pieces to put this together? And so that's one of the first things we started to do. You know, we're looking at paper samples. We're looking at coil samples. We're looking at how are we going to put these together? How are we going to, um, you know, make the covers, all of that stuff. And so there was a lot of work that had to be done before we ever even truly you know, started to sell them, obviously, because we needed to figure out how, how to put it together um, to, to make this physical product. And the thing with us was I always wanted something that was going to be very high quality. I didn't want to do something that was going to be just kind of thrown together because people know when they get something that's just kind of been thrown together, they, they know that the quality is not there. And we wanted people to come back and also their teachers. And so this is their hard earned money. And we wanted to make sure we were really delivering on that. So there, there was a lot of research. So that first step of researching not only sourcing materials but sourcing quality materials also seeing what else is out there like i would assume you had to kind of figure out if we do this who are we going to be going up against who are we going to be competing with in the market and i think as teacher business owners that start off with selling digital resources on tpt we all we all heard it we were all teachers in the classroom somebody somewhere said, have you heard about this thing called TPT um, or Teachers Pay Teachers? And they were like, you know what? You should take some of your stuff, go put it in Microsoft Word and (laughs) save it as a PDF (laughs) and put it up and just sell it. And we don't, we, we kind of are accidental entrepreneurs and we fell into this, right? And so a normal, when I say normal, if there is such a thing as a normal business, but a typical business before they ever even buy a domain name, are probably doing a business plan. They're going to their small business association. They're getting them to do market research in the area, determine whether this is a viable business option, all those things. Do you think if they, if someone is considering doing a physical product, do you think they have to approach it like a typical business owner would and not the way we maybe approached setting up our TPT store. So uh, there's two things that are in my mind with that. And and I want to share a story of as we were kind of stumbling through like offering physical products, there were other physical products that we offered along the way. I tried to do t-shirts and different things like that. And for us and for me, that just wasn't my passion. And it wasn't really something that you know, I felt like I was good at it, but it just wasn't the right fit for our business. And and the numbers kind of reflected that. So I think that's one of the things is to, what you don't want to do is spend a ton of money right off the bat, because you want to make sure that you're going to be able to create something that's viable and profitable at the end of the day. And so throwing a bunch of money at something that you haven't really tested out 
is something that I definitely, I think is different than, you know, you can pay your $59 to become a premium seller on TBT, buy some clip art, all of that. And you're in a pretty safe spot, I think, that you're gonna make that money back. When it's a physical product and you're carrying inventory, um, it's a little bit different because you have to supply or, you know, have an investor or somebody that's gonna supply that capital up front to purchase those items. Um, so I think it is a little bit different. And I think kind of, one of the things that I think of is really starting simple with it. Like, like I, I mentioned that we started with a lot of research because you have to make sure you have a viable product, but I think trying to have all the bells and whistles and trying to make sure you can solve, you know, all of the problems in that first iteration is not necessarily feasible, especially if you're just getting started out with, with, you know, a hard good. And so that's one of the things I think that is different too. You really got, got to test it out. Um, and each year or, you know, each cycle, whatever, each launch, you can kind of upgrade things or make things a little bit better. But I think it's definitely um, a little different than than selling just digital resources. Um, iterations. Yeah. And starting off small. I think that is such great advice because people think they got to have it perfect and you want to have it as close to perfect for that iteration, but people try to come in and create something that has everything in the kitchen sink and it ends up not being anywhere close to perfect. Why not start off simple and then grow and get better and add things as you go? Going back to uh, what what I chatted with with Kristen last week with courses and memberships, the same thing applied there was you come out of the gate and you think you've got to give them all of this stuff because you got to give, 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 give. And at the end of the day, you find out, hey, I'm overwhelming them, right? And and the same thing can happen even with a physical product is you end up not doing a, as good a job. I guess it's like when, when they say, when you try to serve all, you serve none. It's the same, it's the same thing uh, here. So with your planner, you had several iterations of this planner. And I'm sure... There were times when you were like, what in the world are we doing? But let's take it all the way back to that first iteration. When you finally, you sourced the materials, you figured out how you were going to do this, you and Dustin did it yourselves. You just did it yourselves. It was all you in your kitchen yep. or in your dining room, right? <laughs> Yes, our dining room. And and honestly, like that first iteration, but all the way up until last year. And we oh, are wow. going to be on, what, season, year, I think eight, seven or eight of planners. And all the way up until last year, we did it at our house, like on our kitchen table. We would take over the whole kitchen table or kitchen island. And that was one thing that we didn't realize, like we didn't think about when we were getting into especially a hard good that is customizable, the amount of time it takes to make each item for these people. And we also didn't expect the growth that was gonna happen from that very first year of selling 53 planners. And then the next year we open up sales and all of a sudden we have 750 orders. And it just, it was something that we were not prepared for. It was a great problem to have, but there's definitely like, when you are like kind of bootstrapping and you are doing this, you know, with your own bare hands, like these problems can, they can feel a little overwhelming. <laughs> They can. They can definitely feel overwhelming. Now, when you, I assume, when you were doing this all of your, all by yourselves in your, in your dining room, putting these planners together, that required a lot of, a lot of planning with regard to the logistics from teachers ordering their planner to customer service to making sure that that 
customers are updated when their order's gonna going to go out. And we're talking about a teacher planner here. So you're not talking about something that typically teachers are gonna buy in the middle of December. So this is a seasonal physical product, which I think is very important to talk about. And a seasonal physical product is going to require very similar steps to launching like a course or a membership. What's some advice, Bryce, that you would share with those that are considering a physical product? Because when you first venture down this path, you're probably going to be wearing all the hats. So what's some advice for how to approach that? So that that's absolutely right. I think that it needs to be said that that's really a great place to start is with wearing all the hats because yes, you can go out and hire for this and hire for that. But again, you want to make sure that you've got something that's profitable before you start throw, you know, sending all this money out the door. Um, and so one of the things that I think is super important and we do this now every year is we have a launch plan. And so very similar to like, if you're going to have a course or you're going to have a membership, you're going to have a plan for what that's going to look like as far as you know, when am I going to actually launch this? And then you can start working backwards to when, you know, if I've got email sequences that I want to go out, if I need to make sure I have inventory and especially with physical products, you're going to want to give yourself a lot of time to get samples in and make sure that whatever it is you're going to sell is what you truly believe in. And it's a quality and you are happy with what it is because there have been numerous times where we have ordered samples of something and we have to say absolutely not we cannot use this you know piece in our planner and i think if you are not working ahead of the game it's really quick or really easy i guess to say that you are in kind of a pickle because now you're about to launch and you don't have everything as far as your you know inventory and what you're selling in a row so i think having that plan is really really important i do think you know obviously our re our physical good is very seasonal. We've kind of ventured now into more things that are a little more evergreen. We've got notepads and clipping carries and we sell those things um, year round, but it's really important kind of to make sure that you've got that plan because you got to get it right, right? You're going to launch it that one time for that season and you want to make sure that you have everything in place for that. I think as far as wearing all the hats, being really realistic with yourself of how much time it's going to take from you and you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't know exactly how long it's going to take, but just think about all of the things. Who is gonna answer the customers when they email, wanting to know where's my order? When is it shipping? Oh, I got my order and it's damaged or they're, you know, they can't get in touch with FedEx and they want you to get in touch with FedEx. You know, if you don't have a customer service person, which we did not have a customer service person until a couple of years ago and I was doing all of that, that, that takes a lot of time. Well, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to actually, I'm going to interrupt you for a second because I think you, this goes back to what we said about iterations. In the beginning, you're wearing all these hats and you're probably going, you're probably going to be doing it all, right? Yourself. And so if you had come out that first year of saying, okay, we've got this digital one. Now we want to turn it into a physical planner and said, we're going to offer the planner. We're going to offer the notepads. We're going to offer the clipping carries. We're going to offer sticker packs. We're going to offer markers. We're going to have offer all the things. Just because you can find sources for those doesn't mean you should come out of the gate offering all of that. Because with Every new product you offer comes its own set of problems. And that can be very overwhelming because you were doing all of this while still teaching, which you're still teaching now. Dustin's still working, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm sure you were going through all of these growing pains 
while adopting that beautiful baby boy. And it's just one of those things that if you had come out of the gate with everything, it could have been a complete dumpster fire and mm-hmm. it would have been so overwhelming. Now, I would like to ask you another question about what you said with samples. How important is it if you are going to offer a physical product that take a pause before you start putting anything out into the world that anything's going to be a certain way, no matter if you found this, wait till you've gotten samples. And how important is that to make sure you've gotten those samples before moving forward? I think it's one of the most important things, what, whatever physical good that you end up selling, because not only just for the quality, but there's a lot of conversations that happen, especially if you're working directly with manufacturers about pricing for all of these different items. And that is a whole nother thing that's going on behind the scenes and making sure that, you know, there are oftentimes minimum quantity orders and you've got to make sure that you can order enough of whatever it is. Um, And so it's really important that you give yourself time for that back and forth conversation with whoever is supplying the materials. It's also really important, something to think about is you're going to want those items for your marketing. You're gonna want to have those items in hand so that you can put them in pictures, you can do lives with them, you can put them in emails. And if you haven't thought through that and you're now trying to sell this thing that you don't have yet, it, it kind of gets kind of hard, especially with a physical good. It's really easy to make a mock-up of a digital resource, but when you're trying to sell, you know, a mug or a t-shirt, you know, you're going to want to have that on hand. Well, and I'm going to, I'm going to add to that because we have a physical side to our business as well. That is, we don't, it doesn't require us to keep inventory because it's print on demand. But I know when I started looking into that. I was like, I realize everybody says it's so easy. You just go get, I mean, there's so many different places you can set up a print on demand shop. But I was like, I'm not putting this stuff up until I have one of these in hand. So I know what it feels like. And I know what it's going to, the print quality. And and I will tell you, there are products on these print on demand sites that I've gotten samples of that I will not sell because I don't like the quality and I just don't like the way that it looks. And so I think it's very important that you at least have those on hand. But the marketing aspect, absolutely, because you're going to want to be able to physically show them what it looks like, which, you know, when you get on these phone calls with these vendors and you start talking and you find out there's minimum quantities, that right there oftentimes will stop people dead in their tracks. And they'll be like, well, I can't afford to order a thousand coils. I can't afford to order a thousand, you know, copies of this planner, not knowing whether or not I'm going to sell them. So what are some tips that you would give a teacher that's selling on TPT right now who wants to add a physical product, but doesn't have just $100,000 sitting in the bank to go jump into ordering inventory? What, What are some strategies you would suggest? So that that's like the scary part about having a physical product because you you have to put the money in to, to get this thing to be able to then hopefully sell it. And so I say hopefully because I think one of the first tips I have is you need to make sure you have an audience for whatever this item is that you're going to be selling. And that doesn't mean necessarily that you need 20,000 followers on Instagram, but you need to have a way to 
mark to sell this item, right? Like maybe you've got an email list, or you've got a Facebook group or something like that. You've got to make sure that you've got people to sell it to because it's it can be really tough, especially starting out with a new physical product to kind of break through all the noise that's out there of other products that are competing against yours. And earlier you mentioned, you know, taking a look at what else is out there. And I think that's really important and not we're not looking because we're not trying to copy or, you know, do better than someone else or something like that. But it's just really it's good research. It's a good habit to know what you're up against. And so I think having that audience is important. Um, obviously, there's ads and other ways that you can get in front of them, but that's also a very costly thing. And I think that's one of the first things I think with that audience too, kind of vetting some of your ideas or, you know, doing some sneak peeks. We do a lot of that with our email list. And so we'll do like sneak peeks of different things just to kind of gauge how people are feeling about these ideas that we have or these changes that we want to make. So that's another thing that I suggest. And, and I want to go back to, I said earlier, just starting simple right now, we deal with these huge manufacturers and suppliers, but that is not where we started. And I don't think anyone listening should start there because you're going to very quickly find yourself with a hefty bill and very large minimum quantity orders to get these kind of items start small. There are lots of places, you know, for all sorts of different items. And, you know, part of it is you got to kind of bootstrap it. You've got to get on Google and you've got to start just digging and searching. And, you know, I've searched for an hour here. I'm going to change what I'm searching. And, you know, you can find different suppliers for all sorts of different things. That's one of the big things too, is just really start simple. You don't have to have all the bells and whistles and you don't have to be dealing with these huge manufacturers starting out. I think that's a very important point that you don't have to jump straight into dealing with huge manufacturers. There are a lot of possibilities for having things printed in that can be cost effective. And this is talking about if you're wanting to do some some sort of product that would be printed. Um, I know for us, we've we've considered, and you and I have talked multiple times about turning our best sellers into uh, our our math and literacy centers into a printed good. And luckily, you know, I I've got some additional contacts and things like that. But what we were looking at first, it it would have been doable. It it would have been doable, but our profit margins would have been a lot less. And I think that is kind of kind of where you're going with that is when you're first starting out, understanding that you may have lower profit margins because you're having to deal with a supplier on sources for different things that have lower quantities that are required for you to order. And so you may have a smaller profit margin in the beginning, but as you grow, you're able to expand and now you know you have the customer base to support a thousand orders of something and then you're able to move to those those bigger players. So when you started this, so what are your thoughts with selling your physical product before you actually order the product to ship out? I think that that's something that you can definitely grow into, especially if you can really gauge and you've got some data, maybe you have been, you know, like I said, starting off small and you've got some data to kind of forecast how many of XYZ you think you might sell during that year. I think that that's totally something that's doable. And then you can actually use the, you know, proceeds that come in from that to help fund purchasing whatever the goods are. And just to be quite frank with you, like if you're trying to work with like, you know, PayPal working capital or something like that, a lot of times you have to have a certain amount of 
income that has been coming through that's very steady for them to go and actually give you that working capital to work with. But that's something that people can always look at too. A lot of people don't have that kind of money just necessarily sitting around to invest into a physical good. So I think that that's something that can be very helpful to help kind of fund that beginning stages of, you know, like a pre-sale or something like that. We've talked about the, the struggles of doing a physical product. We've talked about the, there's definite rewards because obviously you wouldn't still be doing it. And you, the, the planners, if you have not looked at, if you're a teacher and a teacher business owner who happens to be listening to this podcast, you really should go check these planners out because they're super, super cute. You've talked about listening to your audience to figure out what that might be. And you've talked about some mistakes, some things to avoid or some things to make sure that you watch out for. If you were to go back and you were to do this all over again, or you could go back in time and talk to Bryce from seven years ago, what is the number one thing you would tell yourself back then? I think a lot of it, I think there's so much self-doubt that can happen as an entrepreneur. And it's not even so much comparing to others, but it's just that almost like, am I the right person for this? Is what I'm going to put out there going to be good enough? And I think that definitely played its role in the beginning stages of our planners. And that kind of, I feel like held me back a little bit because I feel like there were times where I, I played it small and I do still, like I've said many times, like we have to start simple, but what we were seeing, the growth we were seeing was telling me something different, but I was almost holding myself back because I was scared and I didn't know how to take the next step. And I was worried that it was going to fail because you know what, what if we order all this stuff and then people don't actually buy it, um, but we actually had the data to support it. Um, so I think the biggest advice to myself would be to not play it small. To go all in. Go all in. To go all in. I love it. I love it. Would you still do a physical product? I would absolutely do a physical product again. I think there are some differences in how I may have set it up, knowing, again, what I know now. And if I wasn't playing it small, we could have gotten to some of the steps, you know, getting the planners out of our house, you know, sooner and actually being able to have our dining room table and eating dinner together. And, you know, now we have a fabulous team that helps us with all of the planner production because it's a very, you know, labor intensive process. Um, but I would absolutely do it again. Awesome. Okay. So now I want to ask you, so you brought up, you have a team. So this all started with your dining room table and 50, what you say, 53 planners in the beginning. And then the very next year it was 700 and something. And I'm sure your poor um, husband was like, OMG, these boxes have taken over my house. Um, but let me, let me jump forward to now. And this past year, you moved it out into a warehouse. You hired a team, which required, you know, payroll and scheduling. And now I'm, you're a manager of people and all of that. So talk about what that was like. Talk about how scary that was. That was the scariest thing that I probably ever done in my life. Like honestly and truly one of the scariest things. And I, I definitely needed support to get through that, um, you know, from, from my husband, from family. And, you know, when we had that first year that went from 50 to 700 plus, like we had so many family members that were coming in on the weekend to help out, um, which was so amazing that they were there for us, but actually, you know, kind of releasing some of that control which needed to happen. It was it was really scary and it was a lot to think through, you know, finding a space, getting the space furnished, making sure that we had good hires, which we ended up with the 
absolute best hires that I could have ever imagined. Um, and then paying them and making sure that, you know, we're hitting, you know, minimum standards of how many we want to ship out a day. It was just a whole nother thing. I really felt like it took me to that next step of my business. And while it was super scary, that's one part that I wish I would have done sooner. I remember watching you go through that this past summer and through all of the process and steps of of hiring people and getting through that process. And, you know, because there's so many, so many nuances to working with people in person and, you know, you can't be there 24 seven to babysit them. So having to, you know, train them to, and, and a lot of us have, we've hired VAs or we've hired people to come into on our teams as virtual team members to work on our digital products and that side of our business. But it's very different with a physical product because that's your inventory. And if they, it's not like if somebody doesn't line boxes up right on PowerPoint, they could literally physically damage a product that now has cost you money, right? So it's it's very, very different. Um, anything else you could think of that you might want to share with the listeners when it comes to adding a physical product as a revenue stream? I think that I would add like, get yourself out there. I think that, you know, there was a time, especially during COVID where we weren't able to like go to conferences or we weren't able to like kind of be face to face. And obviously we're in such a different place. And I think going out and having connections and just making sure that people are aware of what you have to offer. And it doesn't even have to be a sales tactic all the time. You're really just out there networking because you never know what those people that you end up talking to talking with and you know hanging out with what what's going to go from there and so i think that's a really important thing for everyone to do even if you're not doing a, a physical product even if it's just digital even if it's just digital awesome well thank you so much bryce for for agreeing to do this i think a physical product is one of those things that can can be a really great revenue stream I will say that the majority of the people that I've talked to who are considering doing it, they see other people doing the subscription box thing and they're thinking, oh, I'm thinking about doing that. And they don't really stop to think about what really goes into that. It's not that it's not doable. Everything is figure outable. Every It is 100% possible, but you want to make sure that you you reach out. I would encourage people to reach out to someone who has done that and get advice from them because... I'm sure every single one of us can think of someone that we got the idea of something from and we maybe we followed them on social media, maybe we followed their company or whatever and we were considering doing it but we never just put ourselves out there and asked the questions and to to figure out is this something that I'm really ready to take on because I think in today's, you know, day and age there's no reason for you to do things and go into the great unknown it's not like we're traveling across the wilderness <laughs> in the 1800s and we have no idea what's over across that mountain you can literally figure it out but reach out to somebody who's already gone uh gone down that path and and find out find out what are the things that you need to think about and and look for how can they connect with you if they want to connect with you bryce yeah, so you can find us on all the social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at The Teaching Texan. Um, I don't promise to be a great dancer, but I do promise to try to make you laugh and, you know, share a little insight into what it's like to be a kindergarten teacher and full-time business owner. Well, you'll definitely laugh and you're a better dancer than I am. Well, thank you again so much, Bryce, for joining us. And uh, if 
anybody listening has any questions, be sure and hit him up, connect with him on Instagram. He is an absolute doll and uh, I consider him one of my best friends. So just hit him up and I know he'll be happy to chat with you. Thank you for tuning in to another empowering episode of the Teacher Business Society podcast. We drop new episodes every week filled with tips, strategies, and inspirational stories to help you elevate your teacher business. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. Now, if this podcast resonated with you, I have a small favor to ask. Go ahead and share it on your social media and don't forget to tag us at Teacher Business Society. Your shares help us reach more educational rock stars like you who dream of building and growing their own businesses. And while you're at it, please consider leaving us a five-star review. Those reviews not only make my day, but they help boost the podcast so that other aspiring entrepreneurs can find this valuable content. Stay connected with us over here at TBS and get tips, strategies, and useful tools to help you and your business by subscribing to the Society Brief. Find out more information at teacherbusinesssociety.com. The link will also be in the show notes. Never forget, you've got the power to make your dreams come true. So keep dreaming big, go for the scary goals, and until next time, keep being an educational rock star.